and welcome to You Need to See This, an every other weekly film podcast about filling the gaps in our collective cinematic experience. I'm Bree, and I'm joined by my co-host... Cozy. Hi, Cozy! Hi, Bree. How goes it? Hi, good. How are you? Oh, you know, doing pretty well. Things are good over here. Um, you know, doing that thing where I don't get enough sleep and have to remind myself. But also, like, a lot of travel is coming up, which is kind of fun. Ooh. Yeah. For you, um, for you personally or just like? Oh, you know, that's a, what if it was for everybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was just, I, I was pretty aware that everyone's travel schedules are going to be packed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this like a traffic report? Uh, uh, or is this your a, personal? I am in an air traffic tower right now and I'm watching as a lot of planes take off. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, a lot of travel coming up for those people. A lot of travel. I'm, I'm yeah, you're currently stuck at an airport. Uh, this is you recording from the, uh, from gate <laughs> 57. Oh my God, Burbank, what a feeling. <laughs> yes. No, I've still never been. But now I'm going to a wedding in late September, uh, which means I'm going over to the East Coast, uh, checking out some, some New Hampshire, a little bit of Massachusetts. Oh. And then in October, my cousin is visiting uh, for, for a while, and that's going to be fun too. So I'm excited to see people I haven't seen in many years. Yeah, that's awesome. Is the wedding a, a relative or friend or? Uh, let's see. So the well, the wedding. She is a. She's the daughter of my mom's best friend, mm. and I have known her since she was uh, a very tiny baby or not born yet. Wow. Yeah, like womb time. Um, uh, and I remember when I was sort of meeting this baby. I was like, I got to make this baby laugh. These are the, that's the only thing I ever have to do is make this baby laugh. So I was in a three-story uh, house that they lived in, and I would pretend to, like, fall down the stairs multiple times to make this baby laugh, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, babies are big fans of, like, slapstick kind of humor, I feel like. It's true. Babies don't have empathy yet. They're not like, oh, no, are you okay? Yeah, no, babies love when people fall and, like, hurt themselves or seemingly hurt themselves. It's true. Like, babies are born with an understanding of the social contract and, like, how things should be. So if falling <laughs> happens, they're like, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, that's silly. <laughs> that doesn't seem accurate for what we're expecting in our lives. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm excited for you. I've never been to the East Coast, so that's something Whoa. I want to get on my... I know. I need to knock that off my bucket list at some point. Knock it off the bucket list. Yes. Yeah. There's squirrels, there's trees. Those are the things. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about how I even... I went to Seattle recently, and I was like, I miss rain. I was like, I haven't seen rain in California in a while. Yeah, same. I miss frequ same. frequent rain. Maybe it'll um, hit us soon. Hopefully, yeah, we I could I would love that. Um, yeah, use that too. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are comedians, writers, filmmakers, and we do all of our own stunts. All of them. It's true. I'm about to jump off of this air traffic control tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say you're running on the uh, on the strip, and you're just you're gonna like hop on the on the right wing of a of a Southwest flight, and that's how you're getting across. That's how you're getting to the East Coast, right? Yeah, I think that's basically the plan. I'll, I'll get a window seat right next to the window from the outside. <laughs> from the outside, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, again, I keep doing... Anyways, that's a horrible <laughs> position. Um, 
And I have to point it out because if not, then I will just think about it forever. Anyway, uh, uh, I, it. <laughs> I did I it again. It. <laughs> uh, every episode, one of us tries to convince the other in the audience that they need to see a specific film. And we do it with no spoilers. And today we have a special guest, uh, my friend Dash Nye. Hello. So Hello. happy to be here. Thank you both for having me. Thank yes. you for being here. Exciting, exciting. Yeah. Yeah, Dash, uh, Dash and I go way back, I feel like, at this point. We Same. do. Oh, you got, yeah, and then you had, yeah, that's, uh, so we all know, you You know both of us pretty well. Yeah, I would uh, characterize us as uh, friends from comedy. Pre, uh, you and I both kind of started out at the pack at the same time, mm-hmm. and I just kind of, like, remember commiserating with you because uh, we were both kind of getting into, like, more sketch comedy stuff, and we were also volunteering at the theater uh, at the same time, so there was just a lot of bonding involved. And Cozy, I think I first met you for um, one of your holiday blackout shows. That feels very accurate. <laughs> yeah, I would I would call us friends as well. I the only reason we might verge into acquaintance territory is because I don't see you that often. But I, I would certainly like to. And right, maybe this same. podcast is, is the start. The start of yeah. Something. I am on board for it. Yeah, I agree. I think we're definitely friends, and I think that it's been too long since I've seen you. Like. Since before the lockdown, I don't know if we've run into each other since then. Wow. Sure. It's it's weird because I know we were both doing like Twitch stuff, um, but I yeah. always had a thing on Monday nights when Cyber Jam was happening. But like oh, it was, right. I, I just want you to know that I intended to do it, but oh. I fell short. And I appreciate I apologize. That. Oh, it's Aww. totally fine. Uh, it was an interesting one because... Almost no pack people were ever at that. And I was like, I created this specifically for pack people to feel like they had a space. And then, like, Jason Van Glass was the only pack person we ever got. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. JBG's a good one. Oh, he's a good egg. It's true. Yeah. But everyone else was like uh, a lot of like New York people and like random folks from all over the place. So it was fun, but it was like a very different community feeling. Yeah. It's so interesting how like, how just like the pack during the pandemic like opened itself up to like so many people from like outside of california like i thought about that with go sketch yourself a lot too like we're just getting people submitting videos from everywhere yeah i just finished um my i'm going on the packtheater.com website and uh i just like fluffed up my little bio and i called go sketch yourself uh in the twitch era or something that found a global audience just kind Ooh. of a stretch, but it sounds nice, right? It sounds impressive. It sounds I mean, impressive, yeah. I'm on board for it fully. Ooh, I haven't heard I'm much impressed. about the PAX website. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, it's been like, I, I actually, that reminds me, I, uh, I, I think somebody on my new sketch team remind, like had us uh, sent like a link out saying we needed to like, you know, add our bios and our headshots. And I have not done that yet. So I need <laughs> to do that. For, and I'm guessing it's, yeah, it's probably for the website that they're like revamping. Whoa. Exactly. It's uh, that's my job on my team. I'm the point of contact, and oh. I told everybody if they don't get it into me in time, I'm just going to write their bios myself. Yes. So, yeah. It just doesn't seem like something that's worth chasing people down for. No, it's so true. I have mm-hmm. someone on my on one of my teams was just like uh, he. You know, I feel like the only bio, he, he wrote a very quick bio that was just sort of like, I'm the person nobody likes here. And everyone else had like these long, like lists of credits. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Yeah. It's funny how different you could take bios in so many different directions. Yeah. It's like you could do like the serious, like, here's my credentials and like all the things I've worked on. And then it's like, you have the ones that are just like, I'm funny. And here's me being funny in my bio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. I like uh, tongue in cheek. That's like the characterization I would give. But I, I just, there are some bios that are just like, fuck you kind of thing. Yeah, right. It's about finding that nice balance, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a good, there's a good balance. Absolutely. Yeah, I try to I try to yeah, hit the balance like pretty well where it's like I want to show that I'm funny in the way I'm writing my bio, but yeah, I don't want to be like an asshole about it either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if I, if someone's like clicking on your bio, they probably kind of care. They probably want to know something you've done. So there should be some 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 hard info in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. the urge to always entertain people feels like it's coming more from comedy people than from readers. Right. 100%. So funny. Yeah, I think about that all the time with like, yeah, just any sort of um, co- like show that I've seen where they're just like, we're comedians, or even just like how we were joking before we recorded about how uh, Dash was going to come on this podcast and be like, I hate movies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like sometimes it is fun to be like the, the punk jerk in, in things, but it doesn't always like it's going to rub people the wrong way if you're actually like trying to like, you know, get work out of it or get jobs. <laughs> I mean, I totally. feel like that's kind of how I started doing this podcast honestly not this episode but the podcast in general I started kind of being the more of the punk jerk about stuff I was like ah you want me to watch a movie no way <laughs> and then I was like I don't think I'm gonna be doing this for an entire podcast's like like season of podcasting or millions of sustainable episodes in the future and then I was like you know what well this sounds like a nice movie <laughs> Yeah, that's funny that like I can't even imagine how like you being like the resistant one because I was like ever since I've been on it I feel like I haven't said I'm not gonna watch a movie yet. No, neither <laughs> of us are the resistant ones in this. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we're both like, yeah, that sounds like I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, we're like open-minded, nice people, so it's gonna it won't come up very often. Even ones I'm like, well, I wouldn't normally see this kind of movie. Like, no, but it sounds okay. This is this is encouraging. <laughs> right i'll pretty much give any movie a chance really like until unless it's like yeah i can't think i can't even think of a genre that i just like don't like or would not would refuse to watch or something like i mean i definitely yeah. can <laughs> Cozy, didn't, i might have i might be misremembering but didn't you give a no to uh the cabin in the woods on, on that episode oh no i gave a yes to cabin in the woods and then That's i watched fun. it and it was good 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 i'm a big fan there was yeah, one that, one that was you fun. were kind of like, I think not necessarily a no, but you were like, eh, I don't know, but I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, I've had some, I've had some like maybes before. I've had some conditional yeses where I'm like, I'd see that with a group of people, but never on my own. Or like, I'd see that to make fun of it, but I wouldn't like be excited. Or like, this is a kind of movie that I would like, but I know I'm not going to seek it out. Right. Yeah, then- in theory, I'll, I'll watch anything. Like, I'll add anything to my watch list, but I. I think for me, sitting down and actually like putting something on, uh, I need very specific circumstances. I need the right mindset. Yeah, that's Probably fair. Because there's just so many options. Yeah, it's it's nice that there are a lot of different contexts these days when it comes to like viewing experiences. Mm-hmm. Definitely Indeed. feels different from how it used to be, but that's probably also because I used to only watch movies in theaters and never watch them in any other situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely flipped during that, like, yeah, lockdown, I was, like, all all at home, and then it's taken me a long time to, like, get back into, into theaters. Um, oh, my God, same. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, Dash, what kind of, like, movies do you, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty open to, like, all sorts of 
movies do you have like a favorite genre or i do do i have a favorite genre it's probably um like uh dramas like i really like character portraits like Mm -hmm. i was i said my favorite director for a while was darren aronofsky who did the wrestler and black swan i i like when the camera's like sort of like literally following the subject around that was always like very interesting to me Mm. Um, but yeah in high school I think I connected with like crime films like pretty early like I love The Godfather I loved Goodfellas um I would always talk about that and I I sometimes say I went to film school I studied film and media at UC Santa Barbara and Mm. that was challenging but that really like opened up my world and there was a time where I was going to the theater all the time and I kind of cared about the Oscars and I really tried to see all the best picture contenders or at least all the ones that seem notable to me and now I I feel like I barely keep up but uh, I like a lot of things I like it when I I I always say a movie's good when it kind of like did its job when it sort of did what it aimed to do I'm I'm really not picky yeah me neither I definitely was a big Darren Aronofsky fan as well uh in like college i think when i was going to film school i was like oh requiem for a dream it's just crazy mm-hmm. yeah i loved it yeah um, i think i i have missed a lot of aronofsky i think there are only a few there are only a few i've seen if even but i feel like i missed the ones that people tend to talk about the most often yeah i think because what was the last one that uh was it mother was that the last one that- i never saw mother i i, I... haven't heard enough good things Oh, I loved Mother. Was Mother? Yeah. Um, I Mother is maybe like the biggest one that I've seen from him. I remember being so into Mother. But yeah, I don't know if I saw The Fountain. Like there's a chance. Yeah. Hearing about it. But that's it, actually. I, oh, wow. I'm looking at his list now and I'm like, I've definitely seen Mother and then potentially Fountain, but I missed out on all the others. Yeah. Black Swan. I remember like that came out. I feel like I would probably like that. That one was good. I like, yeah, I like all of the, they're very like psychological thriller kind of, you know, uh, movies. And Mother was one where I like walked out. I was just kind of like, I wasn't sure if I liked it or not. I was like, I don't know how I feel about Mother. Yeah, Mother was insane. Yeah, it was insane. I feel like I I need to give that one a rewatch because I just don't know exactly. Like if I, I I feel like I need to watch it again to know if I liked it or not. Because I think I was so like, just sort of like shocked and just kind of. I just had a lot of, yeah, uh, just visceral kind of reactions to things that I was like, I don't even know what I feel about this movie. Well, but for me, it like made me the... feel that way. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, the main thing about that one is at the very, 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 very beginning of that movie, um, in like the first, entirely first scene of everything of it, um, I think there's just like a bunch of ash that creates like one of the characters or something weird like that. And I was like, oh, got it. This is not a movie. And then I loved it ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to like, I think, yeah, take a step back and just be like, this isn't a movie. This is a whole this is an experience. Yeah, exactly. Like if that hadn't happened, I would have been like, is this real or not real? What the hell's the deal with it? But knowing it wasn't real from like the first like frame was incredibly helpful yeah um so dash do you have anything you want to promote um i know you uh recently got 
on a house sketch team at the pack if, there, if there's anything else you want to talk about oh congratulations thank yes. you very much uh we're very excited our team is night coffee um, oh nice i like that name yeah me too me too we're uh we're a grimy bunch and <laughs> we're gonna be out at late hours wreaking havoc and that is what night coffee is all about uh but our first show is actually uh this wednesday the 21st Ooh. uh it'll be at nine o'clock Ticket prices to be determined, but I think it's the standard seven fifty. Uh, don't quote me on that, but you know, <laughs> packtheater.com, Find our Eventbrite. Uh, check it out. Uh, come support us. It should be should be a fun time. Also on Wednesday nights, every Wednesday nights, I host and produce something called Go Sketch Yourself, which is an open mic for characters, uh, sketches. We get a lot of cold reads, people doing bits that they've never done before, and we take video submissions as well. And that is a free show, and it's open to everybody. I've been doing it uh, with the founder for, gosh, a few years now. The three years. Uh, also, we were doing it during Twitch, but um, I, I just really love doing that. I love uh, giving people stage time. It's uh, it it takes a little bit of work to pull off every week, but um, it's it's very rewarding to do. And you should come check it out if you haven't been before. Yes, it's so much fun and it's so supportive and it's like one of those, yeah, it's like, honestly, I think my first time at the pack, even before I was a volunteer, I want to say it was the 420 Go Sketch Yourself show. <laughs> and I say I want to say because I barely remember it um, uh, because it was 420, but I went with uh, with uh, Victoria Harley, who's on Dreamboat, um, and we had both worked on a feature film together as, as uh, PAs and she introduced me to the pack community, but I think she was doing a, a sketch at Go Sketch Yourself, and I had gone to either watch it or I think I like I I read uh, for a role um, during it. But I remember that was like my first pack experience, and I was like, "Wow, this place is like insane in like the best way." And I just loved the the chaos that was happening. I think at the time, like mm -hmm. Hunter Hunter was doing like they were like trying to do like a like a video feed from like upstairs when we were at the old theater, like. Mm -hmm. Uh, but lots of fun. I feel like, um, yeah, go sketch yourself is, is so, so fun and supportive and every, everyone definitely should, should get, give it a go and run their ideas up there. Totally. Yeah. It's been really like, we, we, we take any submission and I, I mm -hmm. try to say that every show, but it's like really true. Like we don't check anything. Uh, if you tell us <laughs> you have like a 10 minute character or something that might give us pause if there's like <laughs> a big lineup that week, but we'll take everything. And yeah, it's gotten pretty wild. It used to be on Friday nights at midnight and Hunter Altman, who started it, had like the perfect energy for that. But as of this episode airing, uh, again, it is on Wednesday nights and it starts at 10.30 p.m., which to us is like practically breakfast time. So yeah, that's beautiful. I think we're gonna be able to book more acts in the coming months. Yeah. Ooh, so exciting. Yeah, it's it the, the only sketch open mic in town, right? Yeah, as far as I know. I love I just that updated so our much. listing for thecomedybureau.com, so <laughs> you know we're legit. It's <laughs> true. Because what was UCB used to have the Thursday one, right? Uh, not yeah. too shabby. Not too shabby. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're not they're not doing that anymore, right? They're not doing well, anything right now. They're not doing <laughs> anything. Yeah. But that, that might change soon. I, I hear rumblings. Oh That's, yeah, September even. I've heard rumblings of September as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Ooh. That said. Who knows if they'll have it in their lineup or not? <laughs> yeah, and I, they got like didn't bought out by kind of just like sort of big, big wig corporate 
like stakeholders, right? So it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> doing a show like that seems like it wouldn't be uh, advantageous yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about I, all the new artistic directors over there, and I was like, are any of them like sketch people at all? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe Travis will, to some extent. But none of them I would ever think of as being like diehard like sketch writers. Yeah, I'd be so thrilled if this new UCB like turned into just like a blatant crypto scheme. Like <laughs> always a possibility. Yeah, and it's just like white dudes in baseball caps. Oh yeah. Like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> just like standing so, around so, everyone who's trying to do yeah. like uh, warm ups, and they're just like, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> oh, so no. money. <laughs> it's cash. Uh, pretty liquid right now, but uh, send me an email. <laughs> exactly. I'll have my people call your people about money. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some investments. Yeah, yeah. Things are looking up uh, in the stocks. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, st I, st I live with five other people in my uh, in this in this two bedroom apartment, but you know I'm pretty like pretty financially set for my future though. <laughs> oh God, perfect. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it all turns out. I'm real curious about it all for uh, mm -hmm. out it's of an exciting time. Reasons. Yeah. Yeah, but for now, I mean, yeah, the pack is going strong. We got all our new house teams. We got go sketch yourself. It's great. Yeah good feels good to be to be doing stuff again in, in yeah. a theater um, yes uh so now if we want to talk about uh the movie that we're going to discuss today uh dash and i are going to try to convince you cozy to watch the 2007 action thriller film death proof cozy Ooh, okay. you need to see this nice i've heard you little teeny bits about it it's yeah. It's uh, I I hadn't watched it in a while, and, and upon rewatch, I was like, yeah, this is uh, it's it's yeah, good stuff. Um, so this movie is about a group of friends who are out on the town. They're enjoying a night of like drinking, uh, while a mysterious man in like a ro low rumbling like vintage car seems to not so coincidentally uh, be showing up wherever the girls show up in the Ooh. in the same bar where the ladies are having a good time. Stuntman Mike chats up a young woman who asks for a ride home. Uh, his uh, vintage automobile has been partially modified to withstand even the most extreme auto collision, making it essentially death-proof, for the driver anyway. The same can't be said for anyone unfortunate enough to be on the road when Stuntman Mike gets the need for speed and the urge to kill. But eventually, <laughs> this murderous maniac learns that he might not be the best driver on the road after all, and he finally pisses the wrong group of women off. Okay, nice. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've seen anything uh, involving stuntmen before, uh, aside from myself, because I do my own stunts. Yes, as we said at the top of this, where we, I do all my own stunts when I drop a cup of coffee. That's all me. <laughs> it's all stunts. intentional and it's all well choreographed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I've never seen any movies about, like, explicitly about stuntmen, to my knowledge. Huh. I think the cool. only, I don't know if I I think the only other stump movie that I can think of that I've watched uh, besides this one is Hot Rod. <laughs> and I guess Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that is there a stunt guy in that? Oh yeah. Maybe yes, I'm wrong. I yes. still haven't seen that one. Mm -hmm. You you might see some of the cast from this movie in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Oh. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. They, of course, share a director. I don't know if we said it's Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Yeah. Written, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Um, this movie stars Kurt Russell as uh, stuntman Mike. We have Zoe Bell, who's a, a stunt woman who is has done a lot of stunts for other Tarantino films and I think like some other ones too. But she plays herself um, a stunt woman in this. Uh, Rosario Dawson is in this as Abernathy. Nice. Vanessa Frolito as Arlene. Uh, Sydney Potier's daughter, who's also named Sydney. Oh, fun. (laughs) uh, Also in this. uh, Tracy Toms, Rose McGowan. McGowan. McGowan, yes. Love Rose McGowan. She's the best. Oh, she is the best. (laughs) Jordan Ladd and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, I take it back. Marilyn Winstead is also the best. Yeah, she's great too. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, good people. Yeah, it's a good cast. Uh, so, Cozy, how did you miss this movie? I have a question. That's a good question. Uh, I have a question that is almost as good as that question. Uh, is this the one that came out at the same time as that other one? What, Planet Terror or something? Yes. yes. And so is this like a shorter movie? Were they like a double feature that was shorter or were they the same, like normal length? You're correct. There was a theatrical cut that was paired alongside Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. Mm-hmm. And they were released under the name Grindhouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All the marketing was like, oh, yeah, it's like the 70s again. See this double feature, this power pairing of Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and I actually did see it in theaters at the time. And it was accompanied by a bunch of mock trailers. And this was 2007, I believe. So this was like early internet. Yeah. So this was before like people were kind of like making fake trailers for fun, really. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, Rob Zombie does one. Um, Perfect. Uh, who directed uh, the Simon Pegg movies, uh, like Shaun of the Dead and stuff? Edgar Edgar oh, Wright. I believe Edgar Wright has a trailer in there as well. I, if I, I might be misremembering, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of great stuff. It's uh, all horror. So uh, mm. it was just, I, yeah, I remember, I, I want to make sure Brie is done like setting up the film properly, but uh, yeah, I have a lot to say about that experience seeing in the theater. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, uh, I also saw this in the theater when it came out. Um, and I, yeah, I honestly like, yeah, the trailers were a big part of, I think like what made it so easy to like love the, the this, like the grindhouse as like a double feature um all of it together and yeah seeing the fake trailers and sort of like that old scratch like homage to like yeah the exploitation films mm-hmm. was really fun yeah. yeah i have to think there was like something in this release for everybody because it just went there was like a slasher trailer there was um like uh an italian giallo trailer uh there was like a zombie movie in planet terror and then there was this uh just weird uh, kind of vehicular slasher film that Quentin Tarantino dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely got a lot out of it. Nice. Yeah, I think that um, when this first came out uh, in, in 2007, I was not like in a place where I was excited about either the idea of something from the 70s or uh, or a horror movie or honestly even Tarantino. I probably wasn't even psyched on Tarantino at that point. Like those were all things that to me, I was just like, okay, cool. Uh, sounds great. I'm just going to not bother. Yeah, that's that's fair. I feel like by the time 
I was like, I was into Tarantino stuff growing up because I think my dad loved Tarantino and like that was like a big influence over that. But I think I remember like once I started getting into film school and stuff, I was getting burnt out on Tarantino just because I was like, ah, Tarantino. Like I wanted to be the cool kid. It was like, ah, Tarantino. Really? That's the director you like? But I mean, yeah, I mean, t- still to Tarantino's credit, like, yeah, for, for a reason, you know, he's he's liked by a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm sold now on him, um, and, like, the moment I saw, uh, well, I guess, you know what, honestly, I'm looking at the timeline, I saw Kill Bill uh, when it came out in 2003, and I did remember, I I was, like, on board immediately, I was like, cool, I like Quentin Tarantino now, but, um, I and I would say, and Inglorious Bastards was 2009, so that would have been the only movie that I saw from him were both the Kill Bills, and I was like, oh, these are cool, but I'm not, like, seeking out anything else. Mm-hmm. But also, I think the bigger part for me was definitely, like, just the packaging of it and the idea of it. I was just like, eh, uh, doesn't seem like it's for me. Seems very big and over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't know it was what it was about at all. Yeah. Uh, so, Cozy, you said you saw this when, when it came out uh, in theaters? Or I saw that it was out in theaters. Or you yeah. saw that it was out in, sorry, I meant to say Dash. I, I just like mix up your names there. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> it knew happened. it was a thing, but you didn't end up seeing it. Yes. I, I had sort of the opposite experience. So I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that when I first saw a commercial for this release, this Grindhouse thing, I didn't know who Quentin Tarantino was, but I saw his name on the screen and the name was familiar. And I was like, oh, Quentin Tarantino, like, where do I know that from? And I just did some quick research. I was in high school at the time. And I was like, oh, the Kill Bill movies. Like, my friends really like those movies. I should see those films. Uh, So before I ended up going to see Death Proof and Planet Terror, I watched the Kill Bill movies. I went back to Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. I went back to Reservoir Dogs. I think I saw Jackie Brown later, but that's also an excellent film. Yeah, I heard nothing but good things about that one. Uh, it's it's great. And I, I anyway, I really embraced Quentin Tarantino in high school. And then like after that, I was kind of embarrassed because he seems like kind of like fodder for dude film bros. And now I'm kind of keen on him again. I think he just makes like really cool, fun movies. Um, and I kind of just put this movie on the list when Brie asked me to do the podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, Death Proof School. I bet I could like talk about that. But this really like unlocked something for me like at that age. I, I really... Uh, just fell in love with the dialogue and the style and because Quentin Tarantino is like so influenced from like previous films like he's a huge cinephile it's kind of like you're seeing that movie like whatever film you're watching and also all the references it makes during the film so it really like harkens back to just like older things or like low budget things Mm -hmm. 70s exploitation stuff Um, so it was just a super rewarding experience um, so I'm all about Death Proof. I saw it with my friends. I remember really liking Planet Terror and really liking mm-hmm. Death Proof um, and just having a really good time. That's we awesome. didn't really get scared because it was more on the exploitation side of things. Uh, but we had a lot of fun. Very schlocky. Yes, mm. schlocky is a great, great way to describe it. I feel like also, yeah, just seeing a movie like this, I feel like with friends uh, probably makes the experience like so much more memorable. And like, that's like any movie really, but like, especially something like this where it is just sort of like, it's like, yeah, paying homage to like all those, all the exploitation stuff. So it's kind of like, it's like fun and like kind of 
cheesy in some moments, but like on purpose. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And like anytime that you're thinking like, oh, this is bad or like this part's bad. It's kind of staying true to the intent. Right. It's like, oh, it's a grindhouse film. Like uh, some producer probably spent like a hundred thousand dollars on it and never thought anybody would make it. I think this actual movie was probably a bigger budget than that because Quentin mm -hmm. Tarantino was already like Quentin Tarantino at the time. Yeah. Um, but something I didn't know before kind of like revisiting this for the podcast was that uh, he also did the photography himself for this one, mm. um, which I'm, I'm sure is like any like filmmaker's fantasy. Uh, but yeah, he got to he got to put his hands on the camera for once. Wow. Oh, uh, I like like so did the not like not set photography, like cinematography, like he did the camera work uh, or yeah, Yes, he was the DP. Oh, I did not know that. Huh. Um yeah, I think when I first saw this movie, I was in I was in the theater with my with my dad and my aunt because yeah, my aunt was like the biggest like movie person, movie buff in our family and like just like loved going to the theater all the time. So I feel like most of the time I went to the theater, if it wasn't with friends, it was like with her and my and my dad. Um, and my dad was definitely a big kill or a big Tarantino fan. And like Kill Bill was like probably one of my favorites. I think that was my favorite Tarantino film before. Um, oh, nice. Probably still is. Uh Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think those were the ones that I, like, went in with my, like, point of reference for being like, okay, I'm probably going to like this because I really like Kill Bill and I feel like, yeah, I'm going to... I, I I don't know. I, I wasn't really familiar with a lot of, like, exploitation films really at the time or really, like, the, the I guess the goal of this being to, like, kind of uh, pay their respects to that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I still had a great time and it was really fun. And, um, yeah, both movies so, like, different and weird in their own like fantastic ways so yeah it's nice that like two different creators can like clearly get along so well uh quentin tarantino has a small role in the planet terror portion um and i heard that um robert rodriguez is actually the one who got quentin to switch to digital he was kind of all about the celluloid, you know, for mm -hmm. that movie. Um, but obviously, like, digital is advantageous for many reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. There's, And it's also probably, I mean, it is less expensive, too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Something cool that they do in, uh, this isn't a spoiler, at least plot-wise, but uh, to get the effect of that, like, grainy kind of, like, older look, they deliberately, like, damage the film. So it's like very scratchy and stuff. I did read that, yeah, that they did that um, to give it to give it that like yeah kind of dirty look. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Cozy, what are your first impressions of Death Proof? Um, uh, let's see. In terms of in terms of plot, it sounds interesting, and in terms of it sounding like sort of a fun movie, that's 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 kind of exciting for me, and also strange because i know i didn't used to ever be a big fan of like going and seeing fun movies as weird as that sounds um but yeah it sounds interesting so far awesome yeah uh well we can start getting into Good. our reasons hopefully we can we can get you on the on the side of wanting to see this <laughs> um i do wish i had rewatched this like after you brought up the trailers and stuff uh dash i wish i had rewatched this with planet terror Mm. Um, and all the trailers just because I feel like there is something to be said about just like the experience of watching like the grindhouse 
uh, double feature versus just this one too. Yeah, oh, maybe yeah. I'll throw a party at some point and try to replicate the experience. Because they both, I think, are good. They kind of stand on their own. Uh, I like Death Proof a little better, uh, just because it has that that gritty flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like nothing nothing like the first time. Yeah. Um, well, my first reason, uh, and I feel like, yeah, still amazes me upon rewatch, is uh, the stunts in this movie. Um it's just like it's crazy. Uh, Zoe Bell, particularly because she like is a a stunt woman by profession. Like, I think actually she was gonna have like she was gonna play like she plays a stunt woman in this movie. But also, uh, I think Tarantino was gonna get her a stunt person to do like the stunts where her face isn't visible, and she basically like didn't want to do it unless she could do all of her own stunts, which I think is like super badass. Um, mm. And yeah, every single like. The, the shots that they do, like, they do these really, like, long, you know, shots of, of, of basically, like, um, yeah, not not spoiling, but, like, just great, crazy car stunts uh, where she's involved. And it's uh, it's definitely, like, you're on the edge of your seat when you're watching this because it looks very dangerous. And it's actually, like, um, it's just insane to me, like, how, how much stunt people put themselves through <laughs> for movies. And this is, like... Uh, maybe like takes the cake for me as far as like stunts go. You're not going to believe this. My reason was not stunts, but I just wrote down Zoe fucking Bell because (laughs) this performer is the coolest. I think she got her start in television with uh, doing stunts for Xena, the warrior princess and the Hercules series. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually she made her way onto Quentin Tarantino's radar and doing all Uma Thurman stunts for Kill Bill. And I I think one of Quentin Tarantino's strengths is I think he sort of like has a good eye for talent. I think he works extremely well with actors. And from what I understand, he kind of like blindsided her by casting her in this movie. She didn't realize that she would like receive top billing with Rosario Dawson, Kurt Russell. Um, And yeah, she's just so awesome. And I, I don't know how many stunt people can you like you know put in front of the camera to do traditional acting acting and just have that kind of star power she gives an amazing performance uh and the stunts are badass obviously but she's just like so funny she's uh, a new zealand actor and she really like sells the dialogue which is kind of hard to do i think with quentin tarantino dialogue because it's so like stylized and specific a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, but uh this movie I mean, I think a lot of the world didn't really know stunt people and it kind of skyrocketed her. Uh, subsequently, she had starring roles in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Django Unchained, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. So see the stunts, see Zoe Bell doing the stunts and see Zoe Bell playing herself. It's a good verisimilitude because she's a real person. So it's almost like the movie could be really happening. Ooh. Yeah, there is like, a, that, yeah, just like to, to add on to that. It's crazy. It's it's like insane how like natural she comes across. Like it looks like she's been acting like, and you know, I mean, a part of it is obviously like it seems like her natural talents. But then like, yeah, Tarantino kind of like being able to to just be like, yeah, you're you're gonna be like a major player in this movie. Um, but yeah, she's great in it. Like it doesn't seem like somebody who's just who's never really like done acting outside of like the stunts that they do. Like it, it doesn't seem like this is like 
the first time she's been sort of put in a feature role, but, um, but all yeah. around just awesome. And you already touched on this brief, but like when a stunt person like accidentally like turns toward the camera or something, like the shot's ruined because the illusion's broken, but they obviously like don't have that problem in this movie. So it just enabled like everybody to like go a hundred percent, you know, no holding back, like no turning away, uh, no worrying about like this particular angle for a sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, yeah, I, it was my first reason because I think she is one of the movie's like major strengths. Yeah, I agree. And just, yeah, like it just, yeah, the, the, the stunt people who like, yeah, you have to cut away just to avoid seeing their faces. Cause like it breaks the illusion, like you said, but this one, it's like, they are able to like feature her doing these stunts so much. And like, in these like really amazing, like long shots that aren't like quickly cut because it's her doing them. And then on top of that, she's giving this like amazing performance. So um, yeah, that's a, even better like reason that I feel like is even, like a uh, honing into onto what I was getting at with stunts is like specifically Zoe Bell. Um, yeah, she's awesome. Um, inspiration. Thank you. Yes. Inspiration point. Yes. I'm, I'm not a DM, but I'm giving you inspiration for it. <laughs> we both give inspiration to Zoe Bell. Yes. Yes. And that was another thing too, is yeah, Dash and I, uh, play uh, Dungeons and Dragons together. Um, ah, Dash is the DM in, in our in our group, in our campaign. And uh, yeah, Dash introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons, which is awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and a previous guest is also one of my players. So I'm uh, right. I'm taking everybody. Right. I'm taking everybody and turning them into D&D people. So watch out. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. You're next, Cozy. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. yeah. I feel right like, after you watch this movie, of course. Yeah, right. only if I can do my own D and D stunts. Yes, <laughs> I'll allow it. Thank you. <laughs> no rolls unless it's the kind that involves my body and rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, rolling down the stairs to make a baby laugh. There it is, there it the is. one and the same. <laughs> Imagine doing stand up in front of a bunch of babies. I feel oh, like it wow, could be. be the- adorable Amazing. but it could it also really depends. like it depends yeah it would also yeah, it really be if, like everything bombs and the babies just like aren't giving anything <laughs> yeah. maybe like uh maybe like a todd berry delivery yeah hmm. todd baby todd yeah, baby yeah i'm in that should be his new special <laughs> that should he just lulls them all to sleep in the best possible way <laughs> none of them are being walked because none of them can walk <laughs> um my second reason is it's this movie is just like a sweet tale of vengeance. Um, and that's pretty much like as simple as, as it gets, I guess. It's just a really like, you know, you're waiting for like this kind of stuntman to, to get his comeuppance and, and, and he does. And it's like the best. Um, it pays Very off. Very Kill Bill. Very Kill Bill. Yep. Yeah. I'm always mm-hmm. a sucker for that. Yeah. We all love revenge. Yeah. We all right. love revenge. Blood very uh, reassuring deep down right it's what we feel sometimes you know like when yeah when something happens to us and we're just like you know it's like acting out those moments of like yeah i wish i could take vengeance i'm not going to because i'm a good person and i'm gonna like let things go but this is like the, <laughs> when you watch a movie like this where it's a vengeance tale you're like yeah get them yeah maybe that's totally why these films do so well because people are playing like little violent movies in their heads all the time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's what people do with their frustration exactly uh-huh. 
Um, and it's satisfying, and and that's how I felt watching this. I was like, yes, and like <laughs> definitely, yeah. I'm not I'm not somebody who I feel like would act out vengeance in my own life, but you know, it's fun to watch other people do it because it does satisfy me at some level. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. My number two reason. Oh, Brie, are you done? Yes, I'm done. My number two reason I wrote down Tarantino. He's weird, but not problematic. I have this theory that, okay, so as I mentioned, I got really into Quentin Tarantino in high school. And inevitably, like whenever I would bring his name up, someone would say like, oh, that guy really likes feet. You know about the foot thing, right? He loves feet. It's common knowledge. It's been in the public domain for so long. And you see that in a lot of the shots of his movies and this film in particular. Oh, yeah. Um, And... I, I almost think his, like, weird, not to kink shame, but his weirdness has sort of, like, worked in his favor as Hollywood has gone through all these changes. Because, to my knowledge, like, not one person has come forward and been like, oh, he was weird, like, to me one time. Like, or he did he did a creepy thing. Uh, I, I may be missing it, but I don't think it's happened. Like, everyone is just very keen to work with him. And he's kind th- of the thought of as an actor's director. I think the yeah, worst I- thing he did was... Um, uh, letting Uma Thurman uh, do that stunt, and um, unfortunately, she suffered serious injury. Yeah, I think that's the closest one I've heard. Yeah, yeah, that was um, bad, right. not fun. But it seems like um, everyone's okay now, and mm. I, I, I think apologies were made. Well, that's good. Yeah. Anyway, different... I just like to support a, a creator who, you know, isn't a, a dirtbag or whatever. Yeah, and who actually owns up to their stuff. Very important. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a huge difference. Like, hopefully a learning process, things like that, you know, or not a learning process, but a learning moment. Yeah, exactly. And just taking accountability and, like, and actually giving a, an apology mm-hmm. ra- rather than, like, a, I'm sorry you feel that way, which is never. Um... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of those like real like apologies that come out are like that, where it's like, I'm sorry you think that that's what I did, but that's not what I did. Um, yeah, those are so gross. Yeah, the, the apology is is kind of a lost art nowadays. It's like I, I don't understand it. Like, why can't you just? I, I'm not even sure. Like, uh, John Landis like apologized for the the Twilight Zone fiasco. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question because that one was like a that was yeah horrible. Um, and clearly, like, you know, putting people in danger and, like, knowingly and, and just, and, yeah, that deserves, like, an ins- like a very well thought out poly- apology. And I don't think, I don't ever remember hearing anything yeah. about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he feels bad, but it seems like since it happened, he's just done everything he can to, like, distance himself from it. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, uh, directors, uh, own your shit. Come on. Yeah. Makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be at first. Number one, try not. uh, Well, no, not try. Don't be a dirtbag. And uh, if you do a bad thing, yeah, say sorry. And and like actually learn and grow from it. Don't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Responsibility makes Mm -hmm. a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Especially when you kill or maim someone. Yeah. That's that's the real fun part. Uh, it's it's also such a weird bummer where it's like we're we're hoping that they take responsibility and then responsibility is like I apologize but then there's it's 
it says so much about their position of power where responsibility isn't anything more than that. True. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think you hit something there. Yeah, it's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be able to do movies with stunts anymore if you're doing, if you're really fucking people up as a result of the stunts you're doing. Things like that. Or like, oh, if you're a shitty dirtbag director, uh, maybe you should like be forced to spend five years as an intern on sets for a while and learn how the power dynamics should work. Yeah, like a punishment to fit the crime. Something. Good lord. Yeah. Depends on what it is, but yeah, of course. Right. Um... No, We're getting gonna... into revenge fantasy territory here. Right? <laughs> yeah, we are. Tarantino, make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want to see every dirtbag playing a bunch of interns run by powerful uh, powerful women. Yes, exactly. And then instead okay. of destroying them as interns, they just treat them well. And you're like, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Modeling positive behavior. Right. I, I love to see a badass, but I love to see a badass who isn't destroying people but is instead modeling positivity while being a badass. <laughs> Taking it's it. positive vengeance. Yeah, I love a positive vengeance. <laughs> Although people always deserve their anger vengeance too. So, it's a, you know, it's a tough balance. It is, it is. Um, well, my third reason, I guess, is somewhat related to your second reason, which is uh, very Tarantino-esque uh, quality of films, is the dialogue. Um there's just, you know, like a lot of scenes in Tarantino movies always are just like, it's like, do we need this dialogue? Probably not. Um, <laughs> is it driving the story forward? Not really, but it's it's like well written and I'm engaged and like I can't like, yeah, I mean, there's there's several scenes like that in this movie where I'm like, I can't like say for certain, like there are some for me, like some pacing things going on with this movie that I'm like, uh, you know, like in hindsight, maybe not the, the greatest Um as far as like plot goes but for me the dialogue is so good and like and i love just like the little banter between the characters and and just like when the when the women uh there's like you know two groups of women in this and like just the way that they talk to each other it's it's yeah i don't know i'm i'm listening to every word and it's like so clever and i i love it <laughs> yeah i like that that's good to hear i like clever i like funny uh i like snappy that's exciting is very snappy um and just like unique like i don't know yeah i guess that's always the thing with the what i've always liked about tarantino movies is just kind of like very snappy and, and unique sort of t dialogue in every scene Ooh, yeah that's good yeah he doesn't write a lot of clams he'll always like try to you know do some like interesting turn of phrase or like funny alliteration uh i agree with that yes Does does he have a lot of movies where there are four women being hilarious? Because if not, that's cool that he has for this one. Hmm. That, that was my third reason. It passes the Bechdel test. I oh, think. nice. Oh, that's great. Uh, I was actually watching for that when I was rewatching because I couldn't remember if it passed the Bechdel test. And then I was like, does it? And then it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like he kind of set out to, he's like, oh, let's make a, you know, female driven movie. That kind of fits the slasher bill. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a, a quick story. Uh, my late grandfather, shortly before he died, he was um, kind of like living on his own. And we would go over to his house for dinner and he was obsessed with HBO's Sex in the City. And <laughs> it did, he was like from the greatest generation. So like, we didn't really understand it. Um, but later on, my dad was kind of like, well, you know, he's older. Like, he didn't really see 
uh, like, you know, women speaking frankly about sex and stuff and like being raunchy and like mm -hmm. being independent. And I think when I saw this movie for the first time, I got like a little bit of that. I was just mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like these women are like being so funny and <laughs> cool and surviving and being awesome and like doing all these stunts. Uh, so, and I, I think it holds up. Is Quentin Tarantino the perfect person to be writing this <laughs> like sexual dialogue um, from the mouths of these various female characters? Uh, I don't know. He gave it his best shot. <laughs> yeah. I, think I mean, maybe hard. not the perfect person, but definitely somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as Quentin Tarantino dialogue coming from these characters, I think overall it was a success. And that's another reason that I really like this movie. I uh, I definitely like appreciate yeah because it's like you read like a short logline of this movie and you're like cars murder babes pretty much <laughs> and you're know, like like immediately like you, going into this movie I'm not thinking that it's gonna be any like interesting dialogue from these uh female characters at all you know I'm like right it's not gonna be good they're not gonna be like engaging characters but I feel like the characters are really just like strong in this movie like that's honestly should have been one of my reasons too just like the characters like in addition to the dialogue it's like it's just like each of these people i i'm uh i care about yeah all the characters were really yeah i'm thinking about it now they were all pretty much like going somewhere or like just coming from somewhere mm -hmm. uh there's two very like deliberate shots that like I almost forgot about after the first time I saw this movie, but one of the characters is texting someone, presumably a guy, on an old Nokia phone. Mm -hmm. And it just the close up and the music shows that she's sort of like being pulled away from the bar for like a brief moment and she's like focused on this guy and she's having like a nice little moment uh like with this guy over text 2007 texting um and then a couple shots later she's basically like telling him to go f himself <laughs> so full circle yeah yeah it's like also, also great seeing um just like yeah an old phone and like communicating that way i i, I was <laughs> like oh a little it's funny how like that feels so like long ago now and i guess <laughs> kind of is but I remember just like doing like ABC texting or T9 on a phone like that. <laughs> yeah, really made me want to play Snake. Yes. yes. Oh, the best. I love Snake. Love it. So good. So good. I definitely have a like a brick version of a, of a Nokia flip phone literally next to me right now in a small box shoved into uh, this desk. Hold on to that. Yeah, Let's forever. <laughs> Yeah, I still have some old phones somewhere. I definitely have kept on to like more, like I don't know why I've kept on to them all so for so long, but I, I think it's because I used to lose my, I still, I'm not great about uh, keeping my phone near me all the time, but I've gotten <laughs> way better and I used to lose my phone a lot. So I think now I have this sort of habit of like keeping backups just in case. Wow, that's fair. I'm truly the opposite where I keep it on my face all the time. I only am living with this phone inside of my inside of my brain. So I could use a little bit of distance from it, probably. I I do want to switch back to like a brick phone, like the like those old Nokia's though, because I'm just like sometimes I'm like, do I like how much time would I would I save out of the day? Like just like in my in my workday, I think of like how many times I just get distracted and I'm just like looking at a video, and I'm like before when I just had like texting on a phone, like was I more focused or not really? I don't know. 
A fair question. One never knows. Uh, I, I, you know, definitely watching movies at home, it is too close. The phone is too close to me. And I often am like, ah, I do wish that I wasn't so glued to this stupid thing, even when I was, even when I'm bored. Yeah, I definitely, I've gotten better about trying to like be, be more aware of, of just sort of like mindlessly going through my phone. But I tend to do that when I'm like, yeah, it's like a multitask thing. It's like sort of like an, uh, just this, I get like antsy kind of if I'm not looking at it and I'll be like <laughs> yeah, watching a show yeah. and then I just want to like check, I want to do something on my phone at the same time, like go to Facebook or like look at a post and I'm like, why do I need to do this? Why can't I just do this one thing and like focus on that? <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm unapologetically online. Like I never needed a fidget spinner when those were big because I just refresh Twitter. That's like, <laughs> that's my thing. That, <laughs> that settles my nerves. Yeah, that gets- I remember in high school, I would like, Back then, you could SMS text, like on T9 or whatever. Like, you could basically text to Twitter, and it would go to the server and then upload tweets that way. Oh, wow. I do kind of miss that, because it was still, like, social media, but it was a little more low-tech. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I had never heard about that. Hmm. Um, my uh, fourth reason for uh, to watch Death Proof is uh, tie- kind of ties into, I guess, yeah, the the characters but it's the acting um i just feel like yeah it's uh acting and directing combo i guess but like everyone in this movie is like really talented and all the the conversations like even sometimes when you're like yeah where like where is this going in the long run like it's so entertaining to me and i'm like watching uh without feeling bored or feeling like i want to jump ahead because it's like these actors are really like selling these characters and it, they just, they feel like, uh, you know, they're, they're coming from somewhere or going somewhere. Like the first group of women is like on a trip to go to like, you know, a cabin or out to a lake house. And like, you feel like they're all like friends coming in. So you're sort of jumping into like this midway point where they're on their way somewhere and everything is just, uh, it's like, I get the sense that they're actually like, like they built a good friendship for a long time. And I think it's just like, they all just like have a natural like chemistry together on screen. Hmm. Yeah. Love natural chemistry. Mm-hmm. Makes I it agree. Um, and not to take away from the actors who are overwhelmingly stellar, but this movie is about cars, uh, specifically like classic American muscle cars and I don't consider myself a gearhead, which is a term that they use in the movie. Um, I don't really know makes and models generally. I'll, like, if you give me a ride in your car, like, I'll forget what kind of car you drive, like, as soon as I see you again. And I'm like, it's kind of like how some people have, like, facial dysplasia. Like, I I just can't remember cars. But So you're describing me right now as well. (laughs) And me as well. (laughs) Are you like that with faces or cars? Cars. Cars. (laughs) But Got also, it. that movie Cars, where there were faces on the cars, very confusing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that movie was uh, an affront to humanity for a lot of reasons. <laughs> that movie was just, an, it was just a bunch of sounds. Like, you don't even see any cars, and it, it just disappear from the screen. Yeah, it's but really I love gone. planes. That said, I'm still on the runway. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quiet. Yeah. You must be at a quiet, quiet airport. Oh, I told them all to keep it down. <laughs> oh, good. The flight. Yeah, that is that is definitely a concern I had about this movie because I am very much like I don't care about cars and never will. And the idea of people being excited about cars makes me be like, good, enjoy, 
have fun, but I cannot be with you on this one. Right. Well, if you're like me, this movie will make you at least like appreciate the cars and really? sort of their function in the context of this film. And also, like I said, Quentin Tarantino, like he he jokes that he doesn't like have original ideas. He just like rips off uh, stuff from like directors from movies he likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie is like full of references to a lot of. Uh, like 1970s car movies, the original Fast and Furious. Mm. Uh, Vanishing Point is brought up a lot. Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. A lot of this ties into um, the character of Stuntman Mike. Uh, And it really makes me like want to go back and just like watch these movies and just get exposed to more like Challengers and uh, Chargers, which are like the two primary vehicles. Um, Yeah. There's a movie called Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry. (laughs) Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, yeah. I've never heard of that in my entire life. I don't think I had heard of it until I read, like, or I didn't remember hearing it when I first watched this movie and, like, the couple times I'd seen it after. But when I rewatched it this time, I, like, took notice of all the movies that were mentioned in this movie. And Mm. that was one of them. And I was like, oh, yeah, I I also was struck by the title of it and was like, I need to write that down to watch because I've never seen it. Yeah, just I feel like I'm just picturing a still from it immediately. And it's great. (laughs) Yeah, I, all of those films, I feel like I've only seen, I've seen Vanishing Point. I'm not sure I've seen any of the other ones, mm. um, but they do reference uh, them. It's great. I think it's like, and yeah, I understand like not caring about Cars Cozy, but I think part of Quentin Tarantino being an auteur, he's sort of like putting his love for cinema, his love for like classic automobiles front and center, like even the movies that aren't mentioned explicitly you see a lot of other movies just um in like movie posters and various logos that are based off of like iconic like 70s like film posters uh it's like really cramped full of stuff and having seen this movie like a dozen times now i i have not caught every single one Ooh. Yeah, that, I mean, speak, speaking of those types of movies, uh, I should mention that we have covered the movie Vanishing Point on this podcast before, so mm. listeners, feel free to check out our March 15th, 2021 episode about Vanishing Point, back when uh, Luce was making a short film about cars and mentioned this movie that we are talking about today. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I have heard a little bit about this in past episodes, uh, but I've never been convinced about it either way, so very exciting. Yeah, I'm. I, I feel like yeah. It, it, maybe it does help that both like Dash and I are not co- big car people either, and still like Definitely. this movie because I'm. Yeah, I'm the same way. Where like somebody could be like super excited about cars and like that's awesome for them, but like I won't remember like one car from another. Like I'll be like, oh, it's red. Like I know colors, and I'm like, yeah, that's like a red car and it's nice, but like <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to remember if it's like a Dodge Challenger or like a mustang or whatever i'm just gonna be like oh it's like a fast vroom vroom uh red car (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is very relatable absolutely yeah Yeah. uh as far as like consumer vehicles go like my dad imparted me with enough knowledge that you like you do not want these cars for yourself like they look cool in movies and they're uh fun to perhaps smash up but uh you should go with like a honda or toyota or something oh that makes sense as far as like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like, what do you want to, what do you want your car for? Like, are you looking to like, do you want to like, you know, do circles in a parking lot, do donuts and like, and be fast <laughs> and like have a flashy car? Or do you want like something that's like reliable and safe and like going to get you like a lot of mileage? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I go to Calabasas once a week. That's what that's what I'm thinking about when I'm buying. <laughs> I want to race to Calabas Calabasas <laughs> in my Challenger, <laughs> and I'm gonna beat everyone there, even on the even on the uh, on the 405 when I'm stuck in traffic. Not in my fast car. Yeah, you can have some of those better off dead style uh, race offs. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Bree's got the need. <laughs> I've got the need. the need for speed. For speed. <gasps> Oh, that? Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. <laughs> I know. That's why they made me work from home, because they were like, you're too crazy on the roads. <laughs> you love speed. It's not okay. <laughs> you need to not do that. We're making you work from home. And I was like, but I got to get in a car and drive past me up. <laughs> I can't hear you. The throttle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, my <laughs> fifth reason uh, for watching this movie is the music um another i think staple of like tarantino movies is like just honestly like really good sort of songs that like a lot of people i feel like don't some i mean they're they're good songs but i feel like not all of them are really like well known um until after the movies come out uh and yeah there's a lot of of really good songs in here that kind of like i think you know it's it also goes back to like the 60s and 70s um mm. i think like that's sort of the the reason for including some some of the tracks in this movie because it's like yeah exploitation films of the 70s um but there's like t-rex in here um there's like this iconic scene in this movie uh where this song basically uh plays when one of the one of the women in, in the first group is like dancing, giving like kind of a lap dance thing. Um, and it's the mm -hmm. coasters down in Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really great song. Uh, there's just a lot of good, like little music moments in this and like fun kind of like scenes in a car where everyone's kind of like listening to the music and then driving really fast down the road. Um, yeah. Good, good soundtrack. So yeah. I've never that, disliked a Quentin Tarantino soundtrack. Yeah. That actually makes me, uh, reminds me of something uh, that I'm looking at right now uh, relating to this movie. Very fun. Very exciting. Uh, apparently, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsett uh, did an acapella cover of a song for this very film. Oh. Which makes me very happy because I am a fan of her musical projects. Uh, specifically, Got a Girl. Yeah, she's got, I, I, I don't think I've seen her sing in anything else, but in this scene you're referencing, oh, she's got some pipes. I think she surprised a lot of people. And yeah. also, mm -hmm. this oh. is actually like one of the pros of you not seeing it in theaters originally, because I think that's part of a large chunk that was not in the theatrical release. Um, oh, interesting. Th this big chunk is, is really good, and you can watch it when you do watch it. And I think oh we've already God. made some very compelling reasons. Mm -hmm. That is a, that's a very good point. That's, that's good to know. Okay. Okay. So I'm glad, I'm sort of glad I didn't catch it originally then. Cause I would have missed out on that. Yeah. Um, relate. That's so funny. Okay, cool. I'm excited because, uh, if I don't know. So neither of you have heard got a girl. Is that correct? I was going to say like, I, you know, in this movie singing and then I think Scott Pilgrim, but I don't think I've ever listened to any of, yeah. Any of her musical projects. Okay. So got a girl did a record called, I love you, but I must drive off this cliff now, <laughs> which is perfect because the music, I, the genre of that music, I would describe as spy, French spy music. Ooh. 
and when you listen, you're like, okay, I'm watching French James Bond spy music with people who have uh, <laughs> who dramatically declare that they must drive off of this cliff now, despite their love. Um, wow. I immediately yeah. thought Thelma and Louise when you gave the name of that album. I was like, Thelma and Louise? Yeah, but also this movie. Like, yeah. driving stuff. That's kind of perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh... Anyway, that's me shoehorning in my love of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But I think I pulled it off. <laughs> I, think, I don't even think it felt shoehorned. Oh, good. Wonderful. Yeah. I like it when that happens. Uh, I was like trying to remember when I was watching this, I feel like I get Mary Elizabeth Winstead or I thought in my head that I was confusing her for somebody else. Is there, there's another actress who looks like her, right? There, I feel like there are, yeah, Yeah. there are, there's like a lot of people that kind of, um, work around her amorphously in a way. I don't know a better way of saying that, but yeah, I, it's easy to get her confused for a lot of people for a lot of reasons is the real way I'd be saying that. Like Mary Elizabeth Mastri Antonio or whatever. Mastri Antonio? <laughs> oh, God. I learned the right way to say this name and I still fuck it up. <laughs> Master Antonio, I think, is what it was. The point is another Mary. Yeah, I believe so. I think maybe Makes I was thinking good. Aubrey Plaza for some reason, even though they, I don't really think they look alike, but... No, I get it, but they were both in Scott Pilgrim. Yes, they're both in Scott Pilgrim and like kind of have similar, I think, attitudes sometimes in the roles that they play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, if someone like had never seen them act and saw like maybe two pictures like from that time of them side by side, yeah, I, I could see it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Mary Elizabeth Winstead is not a person people are like. I know who that is. They're a person who's like, oh, I think I've maybe heard that name before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it took me a long time to be like i know who this person is now i think the birds of prey um uh appearance definitely helped yeah when she was like an assassin in that movie and i was like this person doesn't seem like an assassin this is great <laughs> the huntress the huntress like, mm-hmm. i i don't feel like i've ever seen her play someone who would be a huntress before and so i was so excited to see that and i was like oh look at this range uh, yeah, exactly. It's so fun to see like people like outside of their their typical roles. Um, yeah, like this is like uh, Death Proof is pre Scott Pilgrim, so I'm even more really excited. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm even more curious about this movie because of that. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like she has different hair in every movie, and yeah, looks great every time. Damn it, Mary Elizabeth Winstead! Damn it! <laughs> How you Damn doing it. this? This is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, I was gonna. Uh, never mind. I'm like getting into spoiler territory, but I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just like want to talk. I'm like, oh, oh, her character in this movie, but like, it's not really spoiler. She just kind of like at, at some point, I I almost like forgot about her. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, sure. yeah, great cast. Um, all all around, a lot of like really talented people in this, um, and good movie. Uh, so. I guess yes. you're on your fifth reason, right, Dash? Did I- yeah, I'm so glad you brought up music because uh, it actually wasn't my fifth reason, but um, I wrote down Sally Mank, the late Sally Mank, the longtime uh, editing partner of Quentin Tarantino. This wasn't ah. her, her last film before she passed away. Um, but the argument could definitely be made that she is the reason uh, for a lot of like Quentin Tarantino's like early success. Mm. Um, I really like the pacing of this movie. Um, and when you have 
Quentin Tarantino, who I'm sure was competent, but not really like uh, a DP or cinematographer by profession. You mm-hmm. need someone to kind of like rein in those big ideas and those mm-hmm. big, ambitious horror 70s drive-in grindhouse thing. Um, and Sally Mank was the one to do it. Um, mm. She did a lot of good work in her time. And uh, I think this film is one of the many that benefits from her touch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as pacing goes, I like I definitely think it's more like, for me, it's like the editing was great. I think like the editing pacing was good. There's some other stuff that I'm like, hmm. Like it's just it's just strange. Like you just have to watch it and like let like if you if you watch it cozy, let let uh, let us know what you think because I think Dash and I are on different uh, different sides of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. You you said um, first group earlier, Brie, and I do remember I saw this in theaters like with my best friend, and uh, we liked one of the groups more than the other ones. Oh. And I, think, I think that might have been a pacing thing. It might have been like the dialogue. Um, but yeah, form your own conclusion, Cozy. You know, I tend to do so. So I'm excited to do so. Yeah. Which group did you like, the first or the second? Uh, second. Okay. Yeah, I did too. At the time. I, I, I just rewatched it again. And um, I, I, I like everyone. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like a lot of characters, and you know, for uh, I, I would call it a two act structure. I, th- I think it's good. Yeah, well. definitely two act. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah, that's I always forget that. Like that's that was um, that's Tarantino's like yeah, like editing partner basically for for all the movies. Mm. Um, and it's it's a, definitely a role that I feel like as somebody who does like editing, like as a day job, basically. Um, it gets overlooked and there's a lot of there's a lot of story magic that happens in the on the editing uh in the editing room so oh i'm sure yeah a lot of things like yeah big ideas that definitely have to be reined in and things and <laughs> scenes that whole scenes that just have to be cut and it's like it's insane the process of like even just like when we're writing a script and we're like uh you know killing our darlings that way and then it's like even yeah. worse i imagine like having to just be the person like as an editor to make that call and just be like, Hey, I know that you spent, you know, X amount of hours filming the scene and like these mm-hmm. many people and like this much money went into it, but it just like, doesn't work. That's yeah. That's it. why it's nice to have uh, sort of special features and things like that. Cause you're like, Oh, well at least it ended up somewhere. That's true. Yeah. But it's, it's not gone from existence. It's just not <laughs> going to help with the, in the, in the main story. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like that, um, like the everything, everywhere, all at once uh, <laughs> uh, noodle boy thing. Yes, exactly. Which like, is so good. It's, it's so good. That must, yeah, it's must, it's like, how do you cut those things? You know, like I respect <laughs> editors so much because it's like, and it's obviously a conversation that they have to have with like the director too. And I'm sure it's a lot of like, you know, like the little, the turmoil between like a stubborn director and like an, a stubborn editor. It's like, you know, you got to like, do what's best for the picture in general, but I'm, I imagine it must be hard to like rein in a big edit or a big director's like vision like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that seems right. To I me. must think they had like a good working relationship because like Reservoir Dogs was like uh, very low budget, like, and mm-hmm. the 90s was like fresh in my mind, like when I watched it in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that 
like they worked together on that and then quentin tarantino sort of went to like super duper like director of fame and um uh heights and she did like uh four or five more movies with him mm. so I, something was working right yeah, yeah. i love that yeah, yeah, it's it's it, they must yeah just gotten gotten along well and like trusted each other's ideas and and like yeah it's like a it's beautiful when you see like a relationship like that like creative relationship work. Um, I'm sure. I mean, it's like we hear it a lot of the times where it goes the other way around, like directors being like too stuck on their vision and then just like making every actor on set hate them. Oh God, exactly. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. It's nice to to see when it, when it works in in a positive way. Yeah, it really makes a huge difference. Yeah, um, I always wish with like comedy sketches and the kinds of projects that we do that I could have someone edit it. Like if I wrote and produced it, it rarely works out that way. Usually, like you're kind of the the showrunner in that instance. But I just always feel like I'm like too close to it not that i can't compromise but it would be so nice to just have someone snip 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 and leave all the bs on the cutting room floor and then when the final cut comes out that's it that's it yeah (laughs) that's what you're getting that's what you're getting yeah i like that um i remember a long time ago when i was in a, a sketch group in college and i had to um trim one of my uh trim like probably the first yeah the first sketch comedy video i ever made um and like did all the things for basically or maybe the second um i had to like trim it down from eight to eight minutes to like five and i remember it being so much torture and so much so painful but uh i recently found the old cut of it and just like was my mind was blown watching that again i was like i forgot there were other scenes in this mm. yeah it's it fun kind of great <laughs> i miss having dvds for that reason i think I miss like oh, being yeah. able to go through like deleted scenes and like that being like just like sort of a little treat you get when you own a DVD. Yeah, I I definitely I feel like I somehow missed DVD culture, but the few times that I saw deleted scenes, I was very excited about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from VHS straight till straight until the void and then to Netflix <laughs> <laughs> to the void. Yeah, I was in a void for a pretty long time. VHSs are, are great too. Yeah, I definitely oh spent God, yeah. all of a good portion of the pandemic watching my friend's collection of VHS tapes, and it was like really oh. fun to like watch like the uh, like the trailers and like coming soon uh, of like movies at that time that oh. were being released. Uh, so good. Oh, yes. I feel like I'm in a little time machine when I'm watching a VHS. <laughs> yeah, and then right before it, our future presentation. Ah! <laughs> yes. Please don't record this video. (laughs) The FBI will come to your house. Pirating. (laughs) It's funny how those warnings were on all VHSs and then like people were like, yeah, but I'm going to torrent though. Like I'm going to do this digitally and it's even easier. Yeah, they really worked. (laughs) Yeah. And then that that, uh, department of the FBI eventually had to like shut her down. Mm. Ah, The internet. (laughs) Curse you, internet. Um, I do have a a bin of VHS tapes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I have a bonus reason. It's kind of like sweet, sort of de- like uh, just a small detail that doesn't really matter. But to me, it's like I was like, oh, this is good. Uh, yeah. But there's just like one moment, and it's like the just like the creepiest. It's this moment where it's like kind of in line with like 
what a lot of this movie does is they do these like sort of like mistakes that are kind of like paying homage to like all the the exploitation films where like there's little you know editing things that happen jump cuts jump cuts and yeah and like just um oh like like, in like in black dynamite yeah that's awesome i remember really liking that in the in that uh in that movie and being like oh you can see the boom this is awesome this is so funny right so they do like little kind of like things like that in this movie um and i wasn't sure if this was one of them but this specific part stood out to me and it's um it's just like uh basically kurt russell as a stuntman gives this look like right before he's about to get into his car at one point he like looks straight at the camera and then just kind of like lingers and smiles right before he gets in um and it's it's so unsettling and it's like so weird uh, because it's like the only time I think like that. I At least I noticed where like anyone's like looking directly into camera and it wasn't like a quick like glance and then he kind of like continues yeah. on. It was like a deliberate like smile into the camera. And I was wondering if that I was like, is that a thing that I've seen in other like exploitation films? I don't know, but I loved it. And it was like it was just like the perfect thing because like it's just unsettling enough to where you're like, OK, some some shit's about to go down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're already like, because you kind of know what you, you kind of, at least I knew vaguely what we were in for. And right. that moment was like, just such a good little like kick. It's it, it, I know exactly what you're referencing. It's like one of my favorite shots. It's so like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think, you know, yeah, you know, at that point, I think what you're getting into. So I think that's what makes it so good. Because you're just like, oh, no, like this guy's. Yeah, this guy's more than a stuntman. He's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, can I also give a bonus reason? Sure. Uh, going back to 70s movies, um, a lot of old movies just have, like, people eating. And there's just, like, a close-up of Kurt Russell, like, eating these, like, really drippy nachos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it looks... and. I don't know. It, it looks so good on camera, but I, uh, I, that's just one of my favorite things in movies. I don't know. Just people eating, like stuffing their faces and sometimes like trying to talk. Oh, uh, that reminds me yeah. of Fargo. Yeah. Ooh. Fargo's a lot of eating. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Of which uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is now an alum. Whoa. Cool. Uh, um, yeah. I actually like was, thinking about that shot too that one is also unsettling but in a very different way (laughs) because you just it's like so close like the shot on on uh on kurt russell's face when i think it's uh when he's eating yeah those nachos it's like just disgusting and like you can see like little like i think he like at one point like licks his fingers with like cheese stuck on them yeah oh my god it's like i don't know who this guy is but he's enjoying the fuck out of those nachos (laughs) yeah it's gross um (laughs) And yeah, unsettling, but in like not a horror way, but just in a like, oh, this doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> it's just like very light body horror. Light body horror, <laughs> yes. All eating is light body horror. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any other bonus reasons, do you? Uh, no, no. I, I, I got through everything, but um, I feel good. I feel good about what we put together. I, I do too. Uh, so, Cozy, are you convinced? Let's see. So here's my thought. Here are my thoughts on this one. Um, I find it really interesting that uh, when I first saw the trailers for it and back in back in the old days, back in the old days when it was packaged the way it was, uh, it was 
the way that you mentioned it uh, earlier being sort of like a babes and cars and murder movie. Um, but after hearing about all of this, I learned that it's also a very funny revenge movie. And I love Tarantino's funny revenge movies a lot. So I think that's a really huge selling point, as is the cast. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and the bonus reason that you mentioned about, um, you know, weird little error, like intentional errors, which are very meta. All of that sounds great. So I'm in. Awesome. Yes. We did it. We did it. Clap, 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 clap. Yay. So We're relieved. We're all nice. death proof. I thought about making that the, the top to this where it's like, and we're death proof. But then I was like, I feel like that's bad. I don't know why. I was like, I'm putting like bad things into the into the air if I say that. <laughs> uh, this uh, this movie begs the question, like, who is death proof? Yeah. Mm. Only, only death himself is death proof. Oh, dang. Unless he's getting his, in his own way. <laughs> Tripping over stuff as the Grim Reaper tends to do in all Family Guy episodes. I bet he does, especially like when he was first starting out. Or yeah, it seems difficult just having to wear uh, sort of a large cloak at any point in your life. It's not easy. It's a lot of management. Or there's got to be multiple Reapers, right? It's sort of like a like a a like training center. Tim Allen, the Santa Claus style. Yeah, are there multiple Santas too? What are we talking here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like Re- Reapers at some point, it's like, you know, that's a lot of people dying all, all at the same time around the world. I'm like, there has to be multiple Reapers. Are there multiple Easter's Bunny too? Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe there's so. Probably, there's probably like a whole, yeah, like training center for all of these like kinds of uh, mythical creatures and holiday related uh bunnies and santas and and then there's a grim reaper like department that everyone hates (laughs) (laughs) it's very dark here (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh uh so recommendations uh dash do you have something to recommend yeah so uh i prep a lot of tofu and whenever i talk to people about it like they're still you know how you have to you open like tofu from the grocery store and it's like full of water my yes. friends like still always like put like paper towels on top and books on it and I used to do that but it's no way to live. Come on, <laughs> you, you have better things to do than like cleaning your countertop of moisture and such and uh, possibly like smushing your tofu if if you put something too heavy on it. Mm-hmm. So, I recommend investing in a tofu press. I got one on Amazon. I think the brand is called to future, but there's like a ton on the market. It'll change your life. I guarantee it. Ooh. Nice. I second that. I also got a tofu press uh, yeah. a couple years ago and so much, yeah, so much more effective and you just get like such better, like crispier, like tofu out of it. Um, Cause it's like, you get all the moisture. Hmm. Crispy tofu or tofu presses? Tofu presses. Yeah. It's a, I didn't know it was a thing until I think I was re- looking up a recipe one time and then that was like the recommendation for like getting the tofu to be like, uh, to cook better and like be less spongy. And they just said like, you know, get a tofu press, get all that moisture out and then freeze it. And that's another thing. To- yep. I freeze. To- Cause tofu is magic. It's got that sponge. So it'll just like take on whatever flavors you like throw in there or pair it with, but you got to get the water out first. Yep. You just gotta. You just gotta. <laughs> Uh, Cozy, what about you? My recommendation is uh, something that I mentioned earlier during this, uh, which has to do with uh, deleted scenes, and that is 
that I recommend everyone who saw Everything Everywhere All at Once go and watch the deleted scenes from it, specifically Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy, because Jenny Slate's delivery of that is the funniest thing ever, and it cannot be perfectly replicated, but everything in me wants to try, and I will not be able to. So please watch on YouTube somewhere Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy. Yes. It's so funny. It's just, I... You know how you find those uh, things every so often where you're like, if I'm feeling down, I will watch this and it will work on me. I have tried that once for this and it worked on me and I think it'll work in perpetuity. Yeah, you sent that to me. I think that was when I was in the vet's office with my cat. Oh, yeah. And it did cheer me up. Oh, uh, that's so, so great. It was good. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is related to this in a uh, gross heat wave we're having. Um which I guess when this comes out is not going to, hopefully we're not going to be in another heat wave, but who knows? I really hope it's not still happening yet. I know. I hope not. I hope it's not another one either. I don't know. It's hard to say. Climate change. Uh, But (laughs) my recommendation is to uh, go outside and yell at the sun for being offensively hot. (laughs) Wear sunglasses though. Wear sunglasses. Yes. If you're going to look into the sun and and yell at it, please don't blind yourself. Yes, absolutely important. <laughs> yes, definitely wear sunglasses. Yeah, I, I I, would probably like just brandish my fist at it and shake my fist a bunch of times and then my knuckles would probably get sunburned. But it would yeah. through. The sun will win. Yeah, I'm not saying uh, that this argument will, you will come out winning with, and then the sun will back off and be like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do 70 degrees. Sorry. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, the sun will eventually burn out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. so who even has though the last laugh, term. really? Yeah, it, win, it may win the battle, but it won't win the war. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Grim Reaper is gonna come for the sun for the at sun. the very, very end yes. for everything. Ooh. That's a badass shot. Yeah. I would watch it. <laughs> that sounds Imagine. like a short, like a good short. It does, like a good animated short. Yeah, maybe you can like work it into that meme. Were you a good son? I was told you were the best. <laughs> <laughs> Can we call it House of the Dying Sun? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, which reminds me of the of the conversations we've had on this podcast about how any movie with sunshine in it or the word sun in it is probably going to be pretty good. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Um, and that's a short that if it was made would be good, it sounds like. I think so. That's a, that's a collab. We'll have to do that. Man. Um. And yeah, uh, if anyone else on this, uh, listening to this on this, listening to this podcast has seen <laughs> Death Proof um, or any of the, the Grindhouse features, which, uh, you know, Planet Terror or Death Proof, uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you think. Um, tell us, yeah, what you thought of, of like which group you liked better. Uh, and yeah, let's talk about <laughs> the movie. Uh, join us on the Facebook group and start a little conversation. Uh, so now it's time for plugs. Woo! Cozy, you got plugs? I got plugs. Uh, all right. Well, today um, I am doing Sweet Dalai Lama's 11-year team anniversary show. <laughs> we Woo. have been a team for 11 years, which is crazy and insane. Wow. We've got former team members doing stand-up sets. We've got an Oops All Coaches team with a bunch of our former coaches or whoever can make it. We'll see. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yes, uh, I'm getting some yeses and I'm getting more no's than I would like based on timing. But that's life. We do what we can mm-hmm. for the things that we love. Um, 
and uh, and that's going to be a really fun show as well. I'm very excited for it. And that's my plug. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Plugs for me. I got. I feel like when this comes out, the next thing I would think about plugging is going to be the second show of my new sketch team at the pack. We are Bounce House. That is our official name. Nice. Um, and fun. we will be 9 p.m. Yeah, it's a fun name. Uh, hopefully some fun sketches. And we will be second Sundays at 9 p.m. So that next show would be the uh, 9th, October 9th. Sweet. Um, yeah. And Dash, how about you? Uh, well, again, Night Coffee is making their debut uh, this Wednesday, September 21st at 9 o'clock p.m. And I already mentioned Go Sketch Yourself, but I don't think I said the email because mm. I say it all the time and I'm kind of sick of saying it. But <laughs> if you want to submit for the Go Sketch Yourself open mic, uh, send an email to gosketchyourselfcomedy at gmail.com. And that doesn't even mean you're like locked in the show or anything, but you'll immediately get a auto reply that has a full rundown of how to do tech, what you need to do, how to uh, show up and check in, all that good stuff. So please uh, come do stuff, work out your work out your shit. Yes, do it. Wonderful. Oh. Yes. Uh, and thank you so much, Dash, for coming on the show and, and talking death proof with me and trying to convince Cozy to watch it. Yeah, thanks for of guesting. Course. Uh, my pleasure. It was a blast. Yay. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening to